we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. Hey, I want to welcome everybody that is new, everybody that's online joining us here. Uh, we know there are many in different places. For whatever reason, you, God has led you to call this your church home. And welcome. this is a great, big, important day, and, and it's a good day for you to be connected with us via online. If you're in the house, especially if you're here for the very first time, we want to welcome you. Uh, thank you for coming. We hope you experience God's presence. We would love to meet you and connect with you out in the crossing afterwards. Please stop by the Connection Center. Uh, we would like to give you a little gift and just say thank you. Uh, for coming. Uh, and just so you know that students see how quickly the parents, you know, we're honoring some seniors here in a moment, but I want you to notice, remember how quickly this goes. Last night in Saturday night worship, we had someone that was brand new, brand, brand new into the world, and she showed up only two weeks old. I want you to meet Macy Harris. Could you put Macy Harris over? Macy, two weeks old, and her parents brought her to church last night. They just couldn't wait for her to get to know Jesus, okay? And they brought her. And boy, parents, graduating seniors, remember, it seems like yesterday, doesn't it, that that was your little two-week-old. And then here we are. And so we welcome you uh, to this place. And wherever you are in your season of life, just starting off in the middle or kind of getting toward, you know, that part, uh, you're welcome here. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to find uh, chapters 1 through 11 of 1 Kings. We're going to kind of do some Bible work, so you might want to put as much as we can up on the screen, but I'm going to do a lot of flipping and a lot of turning uh, here this morning. Get your notes and get squared away, and let's begin in prayer. God, we're about to open your word as we do every weekend, God, because, God, as much as we go for counsel and as much as we go to school and we go to training and classes and we look seek knowledge and education, God, and for some of us, God, we have found the, the, the greatness of going to counseling and actually sitting down and week after week with someone to speak into our life, a mentor. God, there is nothing like your word. There is no textbook. There, there is no guidebook. There is no company policy book like your word and so we open it with with some sense of caution God because we know when we open it and we actually read it and you speak things happen things change and God some of us need some change some of us need some hope some of us need some strength so we ask you to have your way with us God as we open your word and God, even as we celebrate and we give you thanks for these graduating seniors and for their families and for this milestone which they have reached and are moving beyond in their life, and as we say we're grateful, God, we are mindful that in the world there are some students that are not so fortunate. They were not raised in homes giving such opportunities, educational systems where they could grow and learn. And God, we're even mindful again this morning for the young people in Ukraine and God, just the uncertainty of their own futures, even as they move beyond completing high schools that have been demolished and destroyed and universities, which they no longer have access to, God, that what is next for them? And we just pray again, God, for those young people in Ukraine, that they might find hope and meaning in their life. And again, God, we pray for an end to the insanity. And now speak, God, into our insanity. Speak into the weakness of our life as we open up your word. 
We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whether it's in college, whether it's starting a job, whether it's getting married, whether it's having kids or grandkids, whether it's starting a race, just in life in general, what matters most generally is not how you start. What matters the most is how you end, how you finish what you started. We're in a message series we are calling Rooted. We're talking about what it really looks like and feels like and is to be rooted in the ways of Jesus. So we're looking at these practical principles and lessons that if we root our lives in these sort of concepts and ideas, that the end of our life turns out a lot better than how we started. I don't care how good you start. Last weekend, Chris did a masterful job. We talked about the word add, about rooted in the word add, about what it is to add people into your life. And not just do I add them into my life, I add their thoughts, their ideas, and their voices into my life, seeking opportunity for me to add value into their life. Now, this morning, as we're also celebrating, sending off, and launching the 2022 class of seniors out into the world, uh, we're going to look at what it means to be rooted in the importance of being rooted in wisdom. And we want to make sure you understand, anybody that's hearing my voice online or here in the house, this message is not just for our graduating seniors. This is for anybody who's still wrestling with the question, what am I going to do with my life? How do I want my life to turn out? What's next in my life? And so we're going to wrestle with that a little bit for anybody who might be wrestling with those sort of questions by looking at a man named Solomon and learning some lessons from his life. And here's the first thing that I would offer to you. Uh, just go ahead, number one in your notes, before we even read the scriptures here. Uh, number one, I can come from a messed up family and still be used by God. Does anybody find relief in that? I can be, I have come from a messed up family. How many of you here in the room would admit, and even online with you rise not, that you come from an imperfect family? Yeah, the rest of you, mm -hmm. uh, you just showed your imperfection. Yeah, because we all in some ways come from an imperfect and a messed up family. But I'm going to make a contention that nobody came from a more messed up, imperfect family than Solomon. His oldest half-brother, Amnon, got affectionate and took his, his half-sister, kind of thought she was beautiful. And so Tamar, he took her sexually. He took her. And the dad of the family, David, he did nothing about it. So another older brother, another brother in the family, Absalom, he killed his brother because of what he did to his sister. And then Absalom himself, all brothers of Solomon, Absalom himself, he wanted to become king while his father David was still king. He wanted to take the throne away. And so Joab, David's general, finds out about it. He goes and kills David's son. He kills him. And, and, and then on top of all that, David then begins to grieve and he just cries out. Oh, this is with this famous verse in the Bible where David says, my son, my son, my son, oh, absolutely my son, if only I had died instead of you. And the interesting thing is that's exactly what Absalom wanted. He wanted his dad to die instead of him. 
But David didn't want to die, and so that didn't happen. And so can you see this family? And, and then not only that, you had this other son, and his name was Adonijah. And Adonijah, one of these other brothers, he also, he wanted to be king while his dad was still on the throne. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 1, while he was still old, Adonijah wanted to be king. And so verse 5, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, hey, I want to be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. And I love what it says here in verse 6. It says, his father, that is David, never rebuked his son by asking him, why do you behave as you do? A little interesting note about David. He was a passive father. David was not involved in the lives of his kids. He didn't speak into the lives of his kids. And he never asked a question. Hey, hey kids, why are you behaving the way you're behaving? And everybody suffered the consequences of David being a passive parent. So I just want to say something to parents. Even as you're letting your kids grow up and go on into their life, there's a little question from the Bible you might want to follow away. Just ask the question and then be quiet and just listen. Why are you behaving the way you are? Great little question. Great little impact. Now, while this is going on, you got to understand that David, there's another brother, and there's Solomon in the family. And he is actually the child of a woman that David took in adultery. Her name was Bathsheba. And he only, not only that, he had her first husband, David, did killed while she was out in battle. So now Adonijah, the word is out that Adonijah, if he becomes king, he's going to kill his brother Solomon. So Solomon kills his brother Adonijah first because David had promised to Bathsheba that Solomon could be king now, and I know your, your head's spinning, so let's, 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 let's review. David's son number one is killed by son number two. Son number two is killed by David's general. Son number three is killed by his brother Solomon. And you think you have a messed up family. You think your family is dysfunctional. No other family with the scripture is so dysfunctional than the family of Solomon. And yet, God still used him in a mighty way. Interesting, Solomon finally becomes king. When he finally becomes king, he consolidates all the power. The scriptures say he is young, he is handsome, he is energetic, and he is devoted to God. And Solomon goes to God and he worships. And when he's worshiping God in a dream, God speaks to Solomon and he says, Solomon, ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. Let me ask you a question. If God comes to you in a dream, in worship right now, in any way, and he asks you, ask me for whatever you want and I will give it to you. What are you going to ask God for? Think about that. So Solomon is thinking about that. And Solomon says that he begins his, going to make his request with gratitude. He says here in chapter, verse 6 of chapter 3, Solomon answered him, You know what, God, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you. He was righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. And he's talking about himself. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king, talking about himself, in place of my father David. Very interesting language here. David, here we have Solomon who knows I'm a king, but I want you to know I'm a servant. 
I'm a king with all this authority and power, but I want you to know I just want to be a servant. And he goes on, verse 8. I'm a little child, still in verse 7, I'm a little child, and I really don't know how to carry out all these big responsibilities. So here's the ask. Here's his response to God's question, verse 9. So give your servant, there's that word again, a discerning heart. In other words, give me wisdom to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Then if you read the rest of that chapter, you're going to notice it says the Lord was pleased. Man, what, 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 a, what, what, Solomon, you could have asked, he goes on, you could have asked for anything. You could have asked for, for wealth. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for power. It goes on, you could have asked for a long life. You did not ask for any of those things. You asked for wisdom. So you read, read the scripture. He says, I tell you what I'm going to do, Solomon. I'm going to give you wisdom. But I'm also going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you success. I'm going to give you riches. And yes, I'm even going to give you a long life. Please make note of this. Number two in your notes, successful people. We learned this from Solomon. They are grateful. Students never forget that. Greatness always begins with gratitude. They are humble. Thinking of themselves as a servant which is they're a wise servant leader, not a controlling leader, not a power pushed down top down leader, but a servant from the bottom up leader. Solomon was very wise. He was so wise that you read in the rest of chapter three, one of the most famous stories in the Bible of all the, all the stories in the Bible where Solomon's sitting on the throne and these two women come and the scripture says they're both prostitutes and they've had this baby. And they both think they're the mother of the baby. And they both want custody of the baby. And so Solomon listens to their argument. And after he's heard both of the women, he says, give me a sword. Down there in verse 24, give me a sword. And then he says, cut the living child in two and give them both half. And the mother of the child, she says, no, 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 no. No, let the kid live and give the one to her. And Solomon very quickly, he takes the baby and puts it in the, one, in the lap of the one who said, let the child live, let her be the mom. He was so incredibly wise. So much so it says right here in the Bible verse that they held the king in awe. Now, I want you please that you understand this one little thing. The reason here in the scripture they talk about there were two prostitutes. There's a reason why they say they identify who the women were. The prostitutes were the lowest, lowest on the ladder of the society in that world. They never got justice. Nobody cared about them. They were just lived on the edge. No little girl, when she grows up, says, when I grow up, I want to sell my body for sex. No child is born with that vision for their life. No one does. And when some kid finds himself out there in the world in that situation, they're always forgotten. They live on the edges on the outside. And nobody knows, it seems nobody cares. But the Bible's making a point. There was a king who had a servant's heart who looked for justice for the least of these. And that made him successful because he cared about those who lived on the edges. He was a servant king. Never forget that, young people. Never forget that. And it says, man, they were just so in awe because he had the wisdom from God to administer justice. Let me kind of give you a little bit more understanding about the wisdom of Solomon. Over here in, uh, in chapter 
4. It talks about verse 29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. A breadth of understanding is measureless as the sand on the sea. I'm in verse 30 of chapter 4. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan the Ezraite. Wiser than He-Man, Kalkal, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Let me stop right there. This right here is just an example of, of intellectual trash talking. Our smart guy is smarter than your smart guy. Hey, I tell you what, you bring out your smart guy, you bring out your best student, we'll bring him right here, and we'll see who is smarter, and I promise you, ours is smarter than yours. That's all it is, intellectual trash talking in the Middle East. But then they go on about Solomon. They say, verse 32, he spoke 3,000 Proverbs. His songs numbered 1,005. He was a great musician. He was a great writer. He spoke about plant life from the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He was a biologist. He knew everything about biology. It goes on. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. He knew everything about zoology. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. No one was as smart as Solomon. Everybody wanted to know what he had to know. You talk about smart so much so it says over here in chapter 10 that the queen of Sheba, she comes to see Solomon. And I love this little line. line. It says, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Yeah, and then I love what it says on down in verse 3. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. Anybody here in the house or anybody online, you know what mansplaining is? Mansplaining is when a man tries to impress a woman by explaining to her stuff. To show him how smart he is. That started with Solomon. That started in the Bible. He's trying to impress the queen of Sheba by explaining as much as he can to her to impress her. And you would think that someone so smart, students, kind of like what you're hoping, students, be pretty successful if you had that much knowledge. And he was. It says over in verse 23, King Solomon was greater in chapter 10. He was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. So much so, just two verses before that, it says he had a fleet of trading ships. And once every three years, they came back, and it says they carried back gold, silver, ivory, apes, and baboons. Interesting little footnote here. Did you know that Solomon, in his palace, all the goblets he had were only made of gold. Would you like to be that wealthy student? So wealthy that he did not drink out of silver. That was low class. It was only goblets of gold. And he had ships full of baboons brought to his palace. Baboons. Why would anybody want to have a house full of baboons? What do you do with baboons? But Solomon had them, right? Yeah. 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 I'll tell you why it says that in the Bible. It is saying, no other time in the history of Israel, at this point in time, had they ever been so prosperous, unprecedented prosperity, 
We're told over here that the people over here in chapter 4, it taught me how they just ate and they drank and they were happy. It says, oh, they just ate, drank, and Solomon was happier than anyone. And then look what it says down here about what, they, what Solomon would eat every single day. And I want the young men particularly to hear this. Every, every day, this is what Solomon and his court ate. Now, take in mind that one head of cattle can feed 800 people back in this day. Okay? This is what the, all the research shows. Verse 23. Every day they ate 10 head of stall-fed cattle, 20 of pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep and goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roebucks, and choice fowl. I think it's obvious to say that Solomon was not a vegetarian. There was no quinoa salad. There was no sushi, right? There was no tofu. There was nothing like that. Just a real, uh, uh, uh. every single day, a whole lot of it, all that they want. What a lifestyle. And it's kind of questionable. How can a servant king live so lavishly while you're taxing the people so heavily? And when you read the Bible, it says the taxes were so high, the people felt burden-loaded down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that the taxes were so heavy, they just felt this weight upon them. And the people kind of rebelled because the taxes were so high. And yet, and yet, and yet, even though all that, Solomon still was known for building the temple. You read the scriptures, he finally built a temple that his father David always dreamed of building. And so he builds this great, big, beautiful temple. When you read the Bible, it talks about how lavish it was and gives exquisite detail for the temple and all the ornate things in it. And when the Bible writer puts all that detail in the Bible here in 1 Kings, it is not doing that so anyone can rebuild the temple like some people have tried to do. It's in the Bible so you and me, the reader, will go, wow, look what Solomon did. Wow. Unbelievable. Isn't that incredible? But then we find a little chink in the armor about Solomon. It kind of throws a little. We understand that he also builds the temple. He goes and he builds the temple. But we learn something about him that kind of helps us know that he built his palace and he builds his temple. And it says right here at the end of chapter 6, he spent seven years building the temple. Why did he build a temple? Israel was saying, we have one God, we have one temple. Everybody else, they have many gods, many temples, but we have one temple. But then it goes on to say in the very next verse, it took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. Seven years for the temple, 13 years for his house. And the biblical writer says nothing. It wants you to think. What's wrong with this picture? The Bible does that a lot. The Bible wants you to think. It doesn't tell you that Solomon took twice as long to build something to glorify himself than he did for building something to bring glory to God. And as wise and as smart as he was, something was askew. Go back over here. If you're, if you're following along with me, here it is. Here's the key thing you want to underline and note in 1 Kings 3, verse 3. In spite of all of his wisdom, chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David. Except, circle that little word, except. 
Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burnt offerings on the high places. David obeyed God. Solomon obeyed God. He followed God. He did everything he asked him to do, except he worshiped other gods. That's what that means in high places. He got caught up in the worship of other gods. That got me to thinking. What if somebody was to write a story about you're in my life? And they were to say, you know what? He, she, put your name in it. They followed all the instructions of the Lord, except, except in your life, what would be that except? Did everything the Lord asked them to do, except how they handled their finances, except how they handled their money, did everything the Lord wanted them to do, except how they ignored the poor, did everything the Lord expects them to do, expect how they managed their sexuality, their sex life, did everything according to the instructions of the Lord, except how they held on to bitterness and anger, unreconciled relationships with a list of people, followed always in the instructions of the Lord, except by this sense of judging other people and always condemning other people, always following in the instructions of the Lord, except the way they were deceptive and the words that coming out of their mouth weren't always truthful, followed in the instructions of the Lord, except they weren't really serious about making this book the basic foundation of their life, walking in the instructions of the Lord all the time except for being marked by love in every area of their life. Let me ask you again, where in your life have you said yes to God except? Solomon didn't say no to God. Solomon said yes, 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 except. And it's amazing just the power of that little accept and what that can do to take you off the path over the longevity of your life. And we see that over here in the last chapter that talks about Solomon in 1 Kings. Chapter 11, verse 1. It says, King Solomon, however, however, a little accept didn't go away. It just grew and grew into a big however. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Look down at verse 4. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. It started with an accept. Church, I, I want to give you what I want to call the accept uh, death cycle. It's in your notes number three. Here's the accept death cycle. Wisdom can lead to success, and success can lead to prosperity. And prosperity will almost always lead to complacency and ego. And complacency and ego will lead you away from God who gave you wisdom in the first place. And all of a sudden, you're wanting success, you're wanting wealth, you're prosperity. And all of a sudden, you find yourself waking up and you're so far from God, you can't even see God. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon. Solomon did amazing things with his life. He had an incredible resume. He had incredible college uh, credentials, all that sort of, whatever you name it, however he got so wise, was that God gave him. 
all this money, all this wealth. He built the temple. He wowed the world. He had goblets of gold. He had ships full of baboons coming into his life. Opulence and wealth. And yet, it took him away from God in the end. Except because that one little accept, that little accept, that little tiny accept, that little bitty tiny little accept that caused him to walk away from God. You read this text, it goes on down here. It says that he followed the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. He followed Moloch, the detestable gods of the Ammonites. It says Solomon, why small? Verse 6, smart, smart Solomon. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Just a quick little backstory. I think I have time. Just really, really quick, really, really quick. Backstory here on this is that Solomon got caught up in something that we call around here called historically now we call sympathetic magic. And here's sympathetic magic. Sympathetic magic is this, that we believe that if we human beings do something on the earth, then they would believe the gods of the heaven would come and replicate what we want them to do and do it even better on earth. So when it says right here uh, about, about Ashtoreth, he followed, Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. Ashtoreth was the mistress of Baal. And so what they did, they had little boys and little girls engage in temple prostitution and sexual activity younger than they needed to be, hoping the gods would make the ground fertile for their crops to go. And then it says they worship the detestable Moloch. And the reason it says Moloch the detestable is that parents would sacrifice their kids, burn their kids. In church, I would say there's not any parent in this room or here in my house that would say you would ever sacrifice your kid like that. But I would suggest there are many parents that unknowingly sometimes we sacrifice our kids for the sake of our good and our well-being and what we want for our future and not for their future. And you wind up sacrificing them and you don't even know it. And Solomon got caught up in all this sort of stuff. How did he do that? So smart, education off the gazoo. Here's why. There's a power that is greater than wisdom. There's a power that will eat wisdom and intelligence for lunch if you let it. In your notes, life is a choice, number four, between two paths. That is wisdom or desire. Wisdom or desire. Students, everyone here in this room who can hear my voice, you have a choice with your life. You can choose the path of wisdom or you can choose the path of desire. And you get to choose. And desire is not all totally and completely bad. God created desire. God gave you desire. If you don't have some sense of desire, you will not live because desire causes you to eat and to drink and to food and to go to college and to do your work and to have rest. Desire is a good thing, but desire out of control is obsessive. When you allow to live your life by desire, it will control your life and overwhelm all the wisdom that you have because desire narrows down all the questions. And the only question you ask is, what do I want? What do I want? That's all that it asks. It's kind of like you give a kid, you pay you donuts out here and a kid comes up to a donut. All these donuts are laid out here and the kid goes, I want a donut. And you're a parent. You say, no, you don't want the donut. Oh, no, no, no. I really want the donut. And you say, no, no, you don't want the donut. And use wisdom. This donut here is full of sugar and lard. 
You, you, it's not going to help you at all. You, you want protein. You want vitamins. You want the good stuff because you want to be strong. And the kid goes, no, I don't want to be strong. I want the donut. And I'll tell you right now, I want it so bad. If you'll give it to me, I will never ask you for anything again for the rest of my life. Ever, 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 ever. But if you don't give it to me, I will make you miserable right now like you've never been miserable before because I want that donut. Am I lying? That's desire. And it will take over your life. Desire looks like this if you're not getting it. It just looks exactly like this. Yeah. Boom. I'm not letting go. No, you're not taking that away from me. No, I want it and I want it now. And that's how so many of us live our life. And you're not even aware of it. And you get sucked into it. And over in Ephesians 4.22, it talks about deceitful desires. That desire can become deceitful. And this narrows it down just about what you want, what you want, what you want, what you want. And all of a sudden what you do is you start replacing the word love for desire. You think, man, I love it. I just want that because I love it. Hey, I want you to join me in this. I know many of you know this song. If you know this song, I want you to say one of the most famous songs that's ever been written on the face of the earth. Who knows? Solomon may have written it. And it goes kind of like this. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is all I ever want to be. Because if I was an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would love me. Really? If you were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everybody would be in love with you. That is the dumbest song on the earth, and we all know it. How smart are we, right? I mean, I will tell you this. If you were a hot dog, even if you're a very good hot dog, nobody would love you. They would just want to devour you. They would want to just desire and eat you up. Because I promise you this, love never puts somebody on a grill and burns them. Cuts them in half longitudinally, put them on a bun and smears them with mustard and ketchup and goes, blah, blah, blah. That's not love. That's desire. And if you let it, desire will eat you for lunch. Real smart people have been taken down by desire. You may know this guy right here. Really smart man, brilliant, intellectually off the charts, smart, but the desire for power and wealth and admiration and acceptance by the rich and the famous overcame all wisdom and he didn't ask the right kind of questions. Here's what I promise you. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. There were a thousand questions that could have gone on in his head that could have asked that would have saved him from self-destructing. But wisdom takes all the questions away except what I want. What I want. In your notes, desire always narrows my thinking. Wisdom broadens my thinking. 
Wisdom expands it to think about the options and the possibilities and the consequences and then make the very best choice possible. And the good news is, for anyone who's rooted in the ways of Jesus, who's rooted your ways in the wisdom of Jesus, it says in the book of James, James 1.5, as you may need wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you, and he'll give it to you generously. If you're rooted in the ways of Jesus. It's a good little time to say we're going to do a message series on the book of James starting the weekend of June, of June the first weekend of June. We're going to call it, How Do I? We're going to ask questions of James for six weeks, kind of at a very, very high level. But here's wisdom. Here's what wisdom is. Here's wisdom. It's really of relative little importance that I get what I want. As long as I'm rooted in the way of Jesus. Because if I'm rooted in the way of Jesus, I'm okay with unfulfilled desires because I'm living my life for a higher calling and for a higher purpose. For a more noble life than just my desires being fulfilled. That's hard. Solomon asked for it. God gave it to him. But he still got off track. And as Solomon got older, please listen to this. As Solomon got older, he didn't get smarter. Because he never asked that smart mind, how would this impact my life? How would this impact my relationship with God? How would this relate my, my leadership? How would this impact those women? How would this? He never asked those questions. What, what's going to make this a loving choice? What's, he just asked, what do I want? He never, at wisdom, asked the questions that gives you a different outcome. So Solomon died, a foolish old man. Israel would have to wait for somebody else. And that somebody else was a man named Jesus, who also was a king, who also was famous for being wise, who also lived his life as a servant. And it's so interesting, when they came to Jesus and they asked him for a sign, he said, there's someone right now in front of you that's greater than Solomon. And they said, really? Who are you? You're nothing but a carpenter. You've never done anything with your life. You don't have a penny to your name. You don't have a place to lay your head. Solomon built this big old palace. He had goblets of gold. He had a resume a mile long. He had a house full of baboons. What do you got? Really? You're better than Solomon? And now 2,000 years later, you know what you and I know? We know. Yeah, really. Jesus, much wiser than Solomon. I close with these words right here from Jesus himself for the seniors and for everyone, then I'll give you the last blank. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is life not more than a degree? Is life more than all these things you're dreaming of? And the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They do not reap. They do not store away. And you, Father, in heaven feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you worry by adding a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? Why do you worry? See the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spend. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon 
in all of his splendor, all of his wisdom. Nobody finished like Jesus. Even when he was suffering, it was hard on the cross. He said, Father, forgive him. He said, take care of my mom, would you? Don't forget my mom. He said, hey, you, you're going to be with me in paradise. And then he said, it is finished. And here's what I know. When he stepped into heaven, he heard the most important words, number six in your notes. Wise people designed their life to finish well so they can hear God say, well done. That's it. There's no greater purpose in life to end hearing those two words. God, I pray for anybody now who can hear my voice who has need of wisdom. They have a choice to make about where they're going to go to college who they're going to room with. Are they coming back home every weekend? What are they going to major in? Some have choices to make about relationships. Some have choices to make about money. Some have choices to make about bad habits. Some here have choices to make about secrets that nobody knows but themselves. Somebody have choices to make about time that they have left on this earth. God, forgive us for being consumed with building a palace, building a resume, and forgetting about what really matters. And that's to hear you say, because we've been rooted in the way of Jesus, those two words. May it be so for these seniors and for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Pathway Church, for worshiping with us here and online. We're so excited that today is the day we get to celebrate the class of 2022. Congratulations, yes. If today is your first time worshiping with you, I want to again welcome you. And we are so excited that you're here. Pastor Rick will be in the crossing afterwards just to meet you. And we also have a gift for you. Also, we have this fabulous app that you can download that gives you everything that you need. It gives you all your message notes, our upcoming events, all you need to know what's going on here. We are going to move into a time of giving right now. And you can also give through that app. Pathway Church. As we move into this time, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a church that not only values teenagers, but you champion them. Through your generosity, we're able to meet the needs of so many teenagers and give them a place to belong where they are welcomed when the rest of the world looks at them a little strange. So thank you so much for your generosity that we're able to do that. Church, we are not saying goodbye to these seniors. We are simply saying good luck on this next part of your journey. I challenge each and every one of you to pick out one of these seniors and pray for them as they move into this next part. If you don't know a single senior up here, find one in your life. I also challenge you that if you don't know a senior's name, look around you today and each time that you come. There are teenagers throughout this congregation. Get to know them. Welcome them. Help them build their faith by making them feel welcome.
parents, whew, this is just the beginning of a long week for you of a lot of chaos. Congratulations for making it this far. Thank you for all you did from changing diapers, going out to get poster board in the middle of the night, and holding the phone so that they can record TikTok dances. We thank you for all of that. As your student moves on to this next phase, your parenting is not over. Just as Felicia, who brought her little baby in here last night to make sure that they know that they are gonna be raised in a faith community, you're not done. It's gonna look different. You're not necessarily a coach, but a cheerleader as they move into this step. Your job's not done. And I will tell you that raising a young adult is not for the faint of heart. So we'll be praying for you too as they move on to this next step. But congratulations. To the class of 2022, I'm so proud of you. You entered high school and not long after that, a pandemic hit and it's been a wild ride. As you move into this next step, my biggest challenge for you is in the first 72 hours, find a faith community. Find a place that you can be with like-minded people so that you can grow. I'm proud of each and every one of you. Okay, church, without further ado, here I'm going to introduce the class of 2022. We have joining us online, Abel Neri. Abel is graduated from CHS. He's gonna attend Tarrant County College where he's gonna get his bachelor's in science and become a certified Toyota automotive technician. His parents are Sienna Contreras. Next, we have Anna Catherine Cheek. Anna is going to graduate from BHS. She's going to Texas Women's University where she will cheer and she's going to get her degree in healthcare administration. Congratulations, Anna. Her parents are Kristen and Rick Cheek. Annalisa Elizabeth Nordgren. Congratulations. She graduated from Godley High School where she's going to go to OSU and major in business and finance and Rachel and Todd are her parents. We have Ashlyn Faith Ship. Ashlyn is going to Sam Houston State University where she's going to major in forensic chemistry, and her parents are Joe and Christy Ship. Ashlyn Taylor Ford. Ashlyn graduated from CHS. Ashlyn is going to TCC where she plans on taking nursing classes, and her parents are Amy and John Ford. Next, we have Dixon Anthony D. Bartholomew. He's graduated from J JHS. He is going to go to school to become a farrier, and right now he plans on working with Terry Clifford and Amy King to continue his love of horses. His parents are Christy and Michael. Emma Lynn Medlock. She graduated from Cleburne High School. She's going to go to school to be a neonatal nurse, and her parents are Bobby Joe Buchanan. Next, we have Garrett Michael Peters. Garrett graduates from BHS. He is going to attend Texas A&M University as an engineer major. His parents are Brian and Sarah Peters and Larry and Margaret Childs. Next we have Jasmine Aaliyah Wells. Jasmine graduated from BHS. He's gonna attend Hill College and work at Hughley Pharmacy. And her parents are Trisha Wells. Next we have Johnny Marquise Ash and he is actually joining us from Mobile, Alabama online today. He graduated from Blount High School. He's going to college to be an engineer and his mother's name is Dominica Ash LeVon Wilson. Next we have Jordan Nicole Zaskowski. She's graduating from CHS where she'll go to Texas A&M Corpus Christi 
and study with biology with an emphasis in marine biology. Her parents are Dave and Becky. Next, we have Joshua Michael Salto. He's going to Lincoln Tech. His mother is Mary Salto. Next, we have Landry Rose Wrangle. Landry is going to graduate from BHS. She is going to be attend Tarleton State University with a major in nursing. Her parents are Emmanuel and Christy Wrangle and Jennifer Wrangle. Congratulations, Landry. Next, we have Paige Noel Moore. Hi, Paige. You saw her as a fabulous part of our worship band. Paige is going to Texas State and become a teacher just like her mama. She graduated from Joshua High School and her parents are Donna and Jerry Moore. Next we have Rebecca Ann Valencia. Rebecca graduates from BHS where she'll go to the University of Oklahoma to study psychology and her parents are Zach and Jennifer. Congratulations, Rebecca. Next, we have Shelby Elizabeth Hamburg. She is graduating from CHS. She's going to Hill College where she'll major in nursing. Sorry, Shelby, I missed you. Her parents are David and Sherry. Next, we have Spencer Conan Doyle, who graduates from BHS. He will go to Howard Payne University to play football and major in software engineering. And his mother is Jennifer Bassam. Now we have Taylor Jo Moore. Taylor's graduating from BHS. She will be cheerleading for the University of Oklahoma where she plans on majoring in health and exercise science. Her goal is to go in and work with pediatric patients. And her mother is Lacey Moore. And then we have Tyler Andrew Young. Tyler graduated from CHS. He is going to go on the roster, a roster member at Colin, 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 uh, yeah. Calling college and, and play piano, where I will also be majoring in kinesiology. Not piano and play now. Okay. okay, you guys, congratulations to the class of 22. Can we stand up and give them one more round of applause? Pray a prayer blessing not only over these seniors, but their parents and their families who find themselves in a huge adjustment in their family tree. As these little kids you have placed and trusted into their lives, now they know more than ever they belong to you. We pray, God, you would guide them all in the steps of wisdom, that they will be rooted in the ways of Jesus, and that one day, one day, many years from now, and many times along their journey, God, they will hear you say, more than anything, those two little words, well done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.